0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry, with Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world, Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry, and Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings, and more insights.
1: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson, I'm the editor of Renew Economy, along with One Step Off the Grid and the EV-focused, The Driven, and joining me as is usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, I trust you are well. I am very well,
2: thank you, Joel. Spring has sprung. I uh, hope the listeners are well. Um, sun is kind of shining today, so um, yeah, feeling good, feeling upbeat.
1: Well, it's been shining um, quite well in the last couple of um, months, mate. Well, in the last couple of um, weeks, um, new solar PV um, records, particularly rooftop solar PV, reached 72% of demand in Western Australia. Um, that's rooftop and a little bit of sort of, you know, ground-mounted distributed PV, but that's pretty significant in um, what is actually the world's biggest isolated grid. So um, you know, WA has about between one and two gigawatts of average demand and sort of peak demand of up to about four gigawatts would it did before rooftop solar came along. And um, it's uh, pretty exciting. So that put the sort of the minimum operational demand, which is kind of the big stuff that the grid likes, the grid operator likes to play with down to a record low, around about 750 megawatts. And um, solar came up with the same sort of trick in, um, in Queensland, pushing that state down to a, um, a new record minimum low um, still about three and a half gigawatts but kind of we can see where we're heading Nigel um, you know with um, um, solar continued continuing to be installed at, um, at, at a great rate of knots
2: yeah, that's for sure, and and you know the the some of the challenges of uh, very very high renewable penetration are becoming evident. There was uh, a lot of chatter on um, Facebook the other day actually about curtailment of, of residential solar systems through the new Western Australian mechanism that allows uh, solar to be turned off. Um,
1: and uh... project project Symphony, I think that's called. Or is it Project Harmony? I'm not too sure, but it's um, doesn't it probably doesn't sound very symphonic when people are having their solar systems turned off. <laughs>
2: No, no, it caused, caused a bit of ire and irk and it's un- unclear, I, I haven't seen any follow-up about whether it was a test because some people were reporting that solar systems were turned off for quite a long time, much longer than they expected and um, that was causing a bit of a hubbub um, and of course on the back of that, uh, hubbub, we a hubbub, a, hubbub. a hubbub. Yeah, 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 <laughs> solar hubbub. That word, a hubbub,
1: that's very good. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess the um, the, the minimum demand levels, um, the stuff that um, the market operator likes to play with, and um, it's got sort of levers there. It's getting down to a level where it's saying it's getting hard to manage, and if they kind of lose something else, then they're kind of um, up shit creek. So that's why they've got sort of Project Symphony. Um, but my understanding is that it shouldn't just be about turning stuff off. It actually should be about turning other stuff on. But maybe they haven't got enough stuff to turn on at the moment.
2: Well, look. In fairness, it uh, wasn't clear to me, uh, and then there was the, the post that I saw was entirely focused on the impact on solar owners. So it may well be that they had also been triggering some uh, some load. Um, and of course, we also saw an announcement this week on the same topic from Queensland around what they're calling the emergency backstock backstop mechanism, which is effectively the same thing that's now been done in South Australia, WA and Queensland, all in different ways, all with different technology and um, all with different levels of
1: sort of sophistication or otherwise. So tell me a bit more about this emergency backstop thing in Queensland, because I think that one's escaped me. Uh, breaking news! Oh, that's right. I'm just I'm just taking some notes. I'm going to send an email to Sophie say we should write this story. But uh, yeah, that's kind yeah. of the way that journalism's done these days. But there you go. Tell me more. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, they've, they've,
2: there's a little period of community consultation that is open now. I think uh, consultation and, and feedback closes in October sometime, um, which is rapidly approaching, and it, it's slated to start operating from November. And um, effectively, what um uh is going to happen in queensland and there are lots of caveats around some areas where it won't apply and so forth and so on it'll only be for new systems it'll only be systems above 10 kilowatts for example but it will apply if you upgrade old systems or change inverters and so forth but the interesting part about it is what they've decided to do in queensland is to use uh, a very low-cost device. I, I forget the little terminology, the name that they've got for it, but it's a it's a device that's a, um, purportedly being um, uh, made available for about seventy dollars wholesale, and it's a little device that connects into solar inverters um, that allows the network owners to turn those inverters off using a DRM control. Um, so, sort of effectively, riffle control for solar and um, Uh, So it's a a kind of a blunt stick approach because you can't ramp it down, you can't ramp it up, you can't do anything except turn it off. Um, But they, they highlight that, of course, it is... Um, called an emergency solar backstop, so they don't anticipate it being used very frequently. And um, yeah, in fairness, uh, seventy bucks for wholesale for this little device, and hopefully not too complicated to install, um, makes it a you know a, at least minimises the cost imposition on solar owners. But we expected to come into play from November.
1: That's interesting. And how are we going? What's the latest in South Australia then? Because that's they sort of um, they sort of um, with the pioneers in this sort of um, solar. Solar management—I suppose you could call it—because they're getting to the point now where they've got so much rooftop solar that's actually pushing sort of grid demand down towards zero levels, and rooftop solar up towards 90, 95 percent, or heaven forbid, 100 percent of um, of grid demand. So, um, what's the latest, Because I know your company's been involved in sort of providing some of these services.
2: Ah, oh, correct, secret agent uh, Morris. I think you referred me to, <laughs> to me as. Um, but um, all I can all I can tell you is I'm not aware of us having received any commands for some time now to um, reduce our fleet numbers. It may be that other providers have, and it may be that they've been triggering um some of the larger systems to um uh, to curtail um but i certainly haven't heard any chatter about it for some time the other thing that we do know is coming it's
1: it's a bit like being a russian agent um uh, (laughs) you just sort of sit there you live a perfectly normal life for about five seven could be ten years and then one moment you will get the phone call and you'll know what you'll know what to do that's right. That's
2: exactly right. But what we do, what uh, what the agency has told us is that from uh, December thirty first this year, I think it is, uh, dynamic export control um, will become mandatory in South Australia. So there's about to be another change down there.
1: Um, so what does where, that mean? What what does that mean when dynamic export control becomes mandatory? Does that mean you've got to fit something into a new system or even an existing system that allows you to be um, switched off or moderated or symphonies
2: mm. yeah symphony is probably the right word the nice thing about dynamic export control little is that it, it. so the way that it operates is effectively every system is going to be required to have a um a consumption meter attached to the inverter uh just like you would normally have in an export control situation or a hybrid battery situation anyway so the system can then see what's being exported Uh, generated and self-consumed through all the data that's collected out of the inverter. And um, the nice thing about dynamic export control compared to the other measures is that it allows you to continue to self-consume. So if there's an event that is called for and you happen to turn on the pull pump, trigger your you know, heat pump, hot water system, turn every light in the house on, whatever you're going to do, if you can self-consume that solar energy, you will continue to be allowed to in contrast to all the other schemes that are out there, which just turns the inverter off. So this does allow the inverter to stay on. It allows you to continue to get value from your solar system, even in an emergency situation. But of course, it has to follow the load. So if your load reduces to nothing, then effectively you'll have to reduce the output of the solar system to nothing. But it's a much cleverer and more dynamic um, uh, use of solar um, that has the dual benefit, of course, of, um, um, you know, applying load uh, effectively in, in, in some situations, not only just turning the inverter off and reducing
1: output. Kind of like a use it or lose it type situation. Yeah, Exactly. It's, yeah, you <laughs> I mean, no going to lose trust me, it. you lose it. lose it. I'm yeah. you know, have, you, have, you got to, have you got to lose, like, you know, if you're sort of sitting there and you've got five kilowatts and you kind of switch off everything you can possibly think of, your pool pump and your hot water and the kettle, and um, I don't know how long a kettle will keep on going at that rate, but anyway, your TV. Um, what happens if you can't match all? You know you can't soak it all up. I mean, do you kind of get a penalty? Sorry, guys, that's it. You're out of here. No, you no, know, di- no. They di- it, dial you down. It'll down. Yeah, okay. it'll
2: do. So it dynamically adjusts. So if you if you can only put on three kilowatts of load and you've got five kilowatts of solar, it'll throttle two kilowatts of hmm. solar and it'll allow you to consume that three kilowatts. And of course, all this to, has to happen automatically dynamically effectively in real time um which is no problem because inverter technology does that already it's exactly what it does for export limitation and also for battery control so um it's all standard stuff
1: standard stuff yes well i mean all this sort of new vocabulary now about some orchestration and symphonies and stuff like that it's um yes well i guess that's what it is with the sort of you know a, a million sort of violin players out there with their solar systems um Sort of playing into the grid. Um, I think I might have pushed that analogy a little bit too far. Nigel, help me out here. Yeah, well,
2: I I do want to highlight, actually, and I think I mentioned this um, some episodes ago, but um, we did see some results from Dynamic Export Control, actually, um, uh, demonstrated graphically by a Victorian DNSP. I can't remember their name, but when I went to see a Victoria conference some months back, um, uh, one of the DNSPs actually showed, you know, a system that was previously fully export limited to a very low level and they participated in a trial around dynamic export control and showed that they're actually delivering a lot more energy to that customer from their solar system um, by getting them on our dynamic export control system but also you know effectively being able to dynamically adjust what was going on both in terms of load and in terms of generation to the benefit of the network and of course the beautiful part is if you imagine orchestrating that across, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of systems, um, you can really see some benefit because it allows excess energy to flow into the network when it needs it, uh, which it can't do when there's a hard export limit on it. So they, they they talked a lot about the benefits for the network and the benefits for the customer, which were just evident every which way. So certainly, dynamic export control is is a a, a, a much more elegant orchestration solution that I think is something we're going to need to see much more widely across Australia in the coming years.
1: Cool. Nigel, I think we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
0: Clenergy is an Australian-founded enterprise providing innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Clenergy's innovative approach and engineering expertise gives them a unique edge to create the right base framework for all solar applications. Their range of high quality products and services include PV mounting, ground mounting products and solutions for residential, commercial and utility scale projects. Visit clenergy.com.au and find the right framework for your solar application.
1: And of course, uh, we'd like to thank all our sponsors for Solar Insiders, um, Solar Analytics, Sunwiz, and Cleanergy. And a particular thanks to Cleanergy, who's um, this is the last episode they're sponsoring um, with us um, this week. They've um, decided that um, that um, it's coming to an end. So, I'd really like to thank Sean um, for the support, support over the last couple of years. And the next episode will be ex- announcing an. Ex- very exciting new sponsor for the oh, Solar Insiders podcast. Absolutely, oh, yes. We'll great. still be able to go down the pub and buy a beer, Nigel. So um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't come to doesn't all come to an end. But look, um, thanks very much to Cleanergy, and of course, our, you know, our remaining, you know, the existing sponsors who who are con- continuing. It's um, it's uh, very gratifying to have your support. Speaking of sponsors, um, Sunwiz came out with its monthly data at 265 megawatts, I think, installed in the month of August. Um, that's actually the highest for the year, Nigel. So um, there's been a big fall. I think a lot of uncertainty and just some of the supply problems and other things going on. But I think um, I think that um, I think all those sort of high prices, the big fossil fuel prices, all that inter, you know, sort of international geopolitics stuff is kind of making people think again or anew about rooftop solar. So that seems to be giving the um, the industry a bit of a boost.
2: Yep, uh, clearly evident. I saw that same uh, data myself, Giles, um, and um, a big kick, I think was a 12 or 14% up or 17% up or, or on the previous month. So um, definitely uh, great to see the numbers proving out the anecdotes that we're hearing about how busy everyone is. Um, um, of course, um, as you say, there's, there's uh, an awful lot driving consumers towards solar and storage these days. But, um, and um, th- there's no sign of it abating, and in fact, it, it sort of brings up the next big challenge because we love a challenge in this industry. It'd be boring if it were just, you know, chugged along and just was all very smooth. So you know, we lurch from challenge to challenge, and the big one that I hear from everybody I talk to now, and and it's not just in solar, of course, but the biggest challenge is getting staff. Um, uh, you know, that that is really, I think, did had we not had the constraints on getting staff and, and employees into this industry that we're currently faced with. I think that record would have been, that number for last month would have been much higher and certainly going forward, it'll be higher. But right now, the industry um, um, is clearly quite constrained in
1: terms of how much you can do just by people. So, so where's everybody gone? Because apparently this is a problem that's afflicting other countries as well. Um, no one can get staff to do anything. I mean, we're, we're sort of people... Um... Taking it away in a sort of intergalactic spaceship or something like that. I mean, it just everyone just seems to have vanished. You just can't find any. You can't find a barista now. Hotels can't get staff. You can't get restaurant staff. The travel agents are hopeless. The airlines haven't got any pilots and baggage handlers. Um, you can't get anybody out in a new renewable energy project. Um, I don't know what, what's happened. Have they? Everyone just all sort of changed their mind and say, nope, don't want to work. I don't know. I I don't know either. I mean, certainly
2: um, in the at the sort of lower end of the employment scale and the less skilled jobs, uh, clearly the um, impacts of, of migration or immigration are being felt because there are a lot of people who came in from offshore and fulfilled a lot of those roles. You know, I, one of my favourite websites that's been very co- oh, Facebook pages that's been very quiet recently is um, what's it called? I think it's called Irish Backpackers looking for work in solar in Australia or something. It is literally a Facebook page. And um, there's been no activity on there for ages, clearly because. What the hell know, are you doing on that Facebook page, anyway? <laughs> <laughs> research. <laughs> research. <laughs> I'm always interested in research, so yeah, I think clearly that's been an issue in the in the sort of um, less skilled part of of uh, of. Um, industry across the board, and of course, the other the other issue is that the cost of living is forcing everyone um, to look for opportunities to to go to higher paid um, jobs. Um, so you know, um, as someone said to me the other day, you know, you can get paid more for packing um, a sh- uh, toilet paper onto shelves in Woolworths than you can for working in the aged care sector. So you know. It is a very challenging sector across the board or a very challenging em- employment situation across the world. Of course, we had the summit this week or last week on uh, how to solve all of this as well. So, um, yeah, mm. it can't last forever.
1: Well, it kind of does actually make, when you, when you hear about those sort of, you know, those pay arrangements and things like that, it does make you stop and think about the sort of the priorities that we have as a sort of a society and the community. And um, clearly some of them need to be reestablished. established um, you know, not just to sort of, um, take care of um, uh, the older folk, and um, you and me, Nigel. We're we we're, we're, we're getting close to there, so um, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: per- Perish the thought that I'm the third. I am yeah. oh, i do not know. As long as they got good internet, and we can keep the podcast going. I think we'll be fine. <laughs>
2: I suddenly got an Im- mental image of you and I in an institution just still podcasting in our slippers. That's right. Oh, That's right yeah. From a recliner. I'll have to get a recliner. From
1: a recliner and I've got every confidence we'll still have the same sponsors backing us and supporting <laughs> us all the way. <laughs> Lock them into a contract. Um, look, um, just going back to some of the things about um, how people are thinking about rooftop solar and stuff like that. I mean, it is interesting with the geopolitical situation. We start to see a lot of international reports and moves. I mean, look, apart from the completely barking mad new government in the UK, um which is just basically sort of being staffed and filled with climate deniers and people who don't like wind and solar and um, who just want to frack the hell out of the countryside and dig up every last or extract every last last molecule of gas but it's pretty interesting that most other places are sort of looking at renewables looking to fast track that saying that is clearly the obvious solution we're starting to see that in australia we've got the queensland government um, reportedly fast tracking its renewables energy target clearly the evidence now um, of rooftop solar and just renewables in general just sort of lowering costs and delivering the low cost manufacturing which can boost the industries and we've also got this report from Oxford University and I think they're talking about getting 100% renewables across the globe could save 12 trillion dollars which is just um, be amazing i'm just actually just trying to sort of dig it up and, and, and um gosh that's a that's a and, lot of marmalade sandwiches well it's a lot of marmalade sandwich and we're kind of at that point now um where people are just sort of thinking about this in in a completely different way i mean God, look there's still some people out there just sort of saying oh wind and solar is really costly blah 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 um, you can find them on matt canavan's twitter account and sky after dark um but um but really i mean just in the broader community i mean there's just you know there's just this um this sort of growing acceptance that yeah, renewables is the way to go. Um, it's very high penetration renewables, maybe hundred percent if possible. We just heard about a mine today, New Livia Mine of all things, um, going um, installing the biggest off-grid um, wind, solar, and battery installation um, in Australia. It's about um, fifty-six megawatts, I think, all told, with another you know twenty-seven wow. megawatts of gas and, and and diesel. They're going to have wow. five six megawatt turbines out there, which is sort of north of Western Australia. They're bloody big turbines, um, and they'll be just going wind and solar and battery for much of the time when they're operating, and um, they've got their, the gas and the diesel as a backup, but they'll only be using about you know, 20% of the power will come from fossil fuels, and, um, and that's kind of what you're seeing. We're seeing that with a billion-dollar nickel mine that's proposed by um aus minerals um, that's right in the middle of the desert right in the center of australia so they're talking about 80 percent, or possibly 90 percent, because the idea of just trucking in gas well there's no gas there so you can't put a pipeline there the idea of trucking in diesel is, is just damn crazy so you're getting these quite significant and quite large installations off-grid installations and if you can do it for 50 megawatts or 100 megawatts then basically that's absolutely replicable um, on the larger grids, and that's kind of where we're all hitting, and it's kind of where we're accepting that, that we're hitting. So it's really fascinating just to sort of see that sort of change of conversation that's happening now, um, you know. but it sure you know, is. I mean,
2: that, that, that would have to be one of the biggest off-grid systems in the world, potentially, I would think, at 50 megawatts. It's a far cry. From, I have to say, Giles, when I, when I lived off-grid a long time ago, uh, it's a far cry from my 60-watt off-grid system. That, that powered our very humble little home. <laughs> you didn't consume much in those days, did you, Nigel? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was not much to consume, no. But, um, you know, 50 megawatts off-grid is just mind-boggling. That is, that is really – that's got my mental juices really flowing to think how far we've come um, in, in the last uh, three decades that I've been watching this industry grow and change. That's remarkable.
1: Well, since things excited you so much, I'm going to give you some more details. It's um, five times six megawatt wind turbines, that's 30 megawatts of wind, there's 17 megawatts of solar, and then there's a 17 megawatt, 19 megawatt hour battery system, which will kind of sort of fill in the gaps, sort of smooth over the output of the wind and the solar, and also um, have enough sort of... um, capacity to sort of, um, um, well, it'll be backing up the gas generators when they're running as well, so that you don't have to run sort of, you know, if you need two, you don't have to run, run another two in the background just in case. So, you know, the battery just sort of kind of holds it together if one of the gas turbines um, spins out of control or spins off or, or whatever they do. So, yeah, really quite fascinating to see. How, um, how, how, ironic, how
2: ironic to hear you describing that the, the renewable system is, is effectively going to be acting as the stabiliser for the... <laughs> for the uh for the base load generation for the gas and the diesel you know and and that is beautiful that you know the sophisticated inverter technology that's available out of um out of you know renewables now is is a beautiful way to control the voltage and frequency of
1: those troublesome generators. Well, well, that's the beauty about having like a new like microgrid like this. You're sort of setting up this completely new system off grid. So you can just work out, OK, well, what's the smartest and most intelligent piece of technology we've got here? It's the inverter. So you just build it around that, OK? We do have to use gas and diesel at certain times of the day when the sun don't shine, and wind don't blow enough. But that's OK. We just basically build it around the inverter system. I mean, the challenge with the main grid is that it's kind of a system that's been built around spinning machines and centralized spinning machines. Inverter technologies have shown already quite clearly that um, they're they're smarter, they're quicker, they're um, cheaper. Um, you know, they're more flexible. They can do all that, but kind of sort of jamming that into a system which is kind of based and sort of rewards um, big spinning machines is the big challenge. And how to kind of shift from one to the other. So um, yeah, Quite glorious, interesting stuff. Glorious, glorious. Praise be. Praise be to the inverters. <laughs> <Dear>. <laughs> I think we might have to wind this up before we go completely off the rails, no. but um, anyway, <laughs> now, praise, um,
2: talking about praise be to the inverters. If you want to, uh, if you want to come and praise inverter manufacturers, all energy is, is, um, Oh gosh, what would it be about a month and a bit away? It's, it's uh, creeping up on us very, very fast. I was chatting with, uh, one of the main guys who is uh, is, is involved in organizing, um, that event. And they're very enthusiastic about the high numbers that are going to get there. There's a lot of great events going on. Um, uh, Solar Analytics agreed yesterday to um, to actually sponsor an event being held the day before by a Wise. They've got a virtually a whole day uh, networking event the day before. All Energy, of course, there'll be the Solar Cutters event. There'll be networking events. Um, um, there'll be a live. I'm, I'm trying to lock in a live podcast for for me and or you, Giles. If you happen to be down there, and um, certainly the organisers were were very. Um, um, uh, hopeful that they were going to see record crowds this year after uh, after everyone's missed out. So, yeah, you better start booking your accommodation and airfares soon.
1: Oh, I think I might be staying with the grandchild, actually. If you need grandchild, Felix can share his cot or something like that, I'm sure. I'll just kick him up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. That's, that's in Sydney this year, isn't it? Melbourne. Well, there you go now. There's a problem already. So, Felix. <laughs> <'cause Yeah>. Alex... <laughs> okay, I better start booking the... Um, Booking the, um, yes, okay. Camping site. <laughs> the camping um, site well, Melbourne's got fine weather. What else have we got to do, um, talk about before we go? That could be it. Um, great that, uh, great solid business, great solid business. Um, what do you got coming up next week, Nigel? You're
0: well, not too sure.
1: No, I'm Still not too sure. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a, a number of options, uh, Giles, that you
2: and I can talk about after this episode about what might go to where and what might not.
1: You can tell that this is unrehearsed, isn't it? I put you on the spot there and you had nothing to say. There you go, there you go. Look, all good. We're gonna make this actually one of our shorter broadcasts uh, because we've both got things to do um, today. So look, um, thank you, Nigel um for making yourself available earlier than normal. Thanks to all the listeners out there. Do give us your feedback. Do give us any suggestions for um people to talk to. Um send us some letters, send us some things we can read out over the um over the podcast. Just to sort of change the pace of it. And thanks of course to our sponsors, SunWiz and Solar Analytics, and also especially to Clenergy who've been with us for the last couple of years and thank you very much for your support and we look forward yeah, to the next thanks. episode too. Yeah, yeah. And um we look forward to um, welcoming a new new sponsor in the next podcast which i'll be telling you all about as soon as we switch off the record button okay (laughs) let's bye for now
0: solar insiders was brought to you by clenergy the providers of high quality mounting systems for residential commercial and utility scale solar projects with in-house engineering and projects divisions clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. Offering a unique business wide solution for solar retailers, SunWiz will help you differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware is required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au